Hey there, this is High Performance, our gift to you for free every single week. This podcast turns the lived experience of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. So please, today, just allow the greatest leaders, thinkers, sports stars, entertainers, and entrepreneurs to be your teacher. And today, we're looking back on the latest series of the High Performance Podcast and just reminding ourselves of some of the awesome lessons we've learned in the last few months. Here's what you can expect. If you would have said to me now, when my friend died, 2009, I knew from that night in November, the 14th, I would never commit a crime in my life again. That was me done. I was out, right? They weren't, they're not just going to let me walk out of prison, but I knew myself, I was finished. I'm, I'm out of that world. It was the second morning, you guys, that it really hit me. So let me tell you what happened on the second morning, because this is crazy. So I wake up, same problems, same overwhelm, same anxiety, same beat down. I five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. I make the bed. I start walking toward the bathroom and that's the moment I felt something I have never felt before. I said, something's wrong with me. <laughs> like something's wrong. Got some physical and uh, yeah, mental tests in that. And uh, I got diagnosed with clinical depression. I don't remember a lot from when I was five years old, to be honest, but I remember that moment of going, I want to be an all black. This is my dream. As this is almost our final episode of the High Performance Podcast for the year, I really want to just say a really big thank you to Lotus Cars. And I know, you know, you've heard me talk about Lotus every single week on this podcast, and I don't want you to just think, oh, great, yeah, Lotus, you're just talking about them again. I really want you to understand the story that we had no way of making this podcast. We had no backers, we had no sponsors, we had no partners. Nobody was interested in getting involved in high performance until Lotus Cars said, okay, do you know what? We'll give you a chance. We'll come with you on the journey. And they haven't stopped being alongside us for the best part of two years. And I just love their bravery. I love their ambition. And I love them. As you know, I'm a Norfolk boy. I live a few miles from the Lotus factory. And I'm so proud to have their name on this podcast. It wouldn't exist without Lotus Cars. Their plans are unbelievable for 2022. Their cars are stunning. They're future focused. They're going electric. The Amir is on its way. They've got an SUV happening before long. It's exciting times. And if you want to know more, just go to lotuscars.com or find them on social media at Lotus Cars. Love you, Lotus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
Oh, this is going to be fun. Let me just remind you before we go any further, you can buy tickets to the High Performance Tour and you can also get your hands on our brand new book. Not a bad Christmas present, either of them, actually. Just go to thehighperformancepodcast.com if you want to join us live or you want to read our book. We'd love it if you would do either. Look who's with me. It's the Professor. Hey, Damo. Hey, Jake. How are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, very well. Yourself? Yeah, good. Good. We've had an uh, interesting period, haven't we, with the book coming out and the tour tickets being announced. It's been incredibly exciting. But even more important than that, have you done your Christmas shopping? Not yet. No, I've not even thought about it. I mean, I'll be active. That's not high performance. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'll be a high performance Christmas Eve shopper rushing around desperately. Uh, right. Um, so let's explain to you what we're planning to do today. This is our wrap up for the latest series of high performance. We've done this a few times. You guys have really loved it. You've got loads from it. So we thought we'd do it again. There are five stages to change. And I think if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, you're also the kind of person that understands that we are not fixed. We are beings that grow we change we develop we evolve all the time and Damien there's been a lot of research that has uncovered five key pillars to change and that's what we're going to focus on today by looking back on the guests who joined us over the past few weeks yeah so this research that we've drawn on for every one of our series reviews comes from the work of Dr Joseph Campbell now to remind anyone that hasn't heard it before Joseph Campbell was a sociologist that spent the first part of the last century going to the most diverse cultures in the world and asking a really simple question what unites us and one of the things that is common to all of us as humans is how we make change happen how transition how we go from good to great how we go from wherever we are to where we want to be and what Dr. Campbell identified was there was five key stages that we all pass through. So the first stage is what he described as the dream stage, where we get ourselves excited and identify where we want to go. Then the leap stage is we do something different than what we were doing yesterday to move ourselves forward. The messy middle is the, is the fight stage, the bit that so many of our guests talk about where things go wrong, setbacks occur, morale declines, but they find a way of persevering. And the longer they spend there, they eventually get to the climb stage where they see progress, they see a degree of momentum that takes them to the arrival stage where they celebrate and that's where they plan to go again. I think this is a good episode for a pen and paper because I remember a few months ago we spoke with Joan Malone and she described to us that when she had her breast cancer diagnosis, she suddenly had all these plans for how she was going to live differently. And then she said that over time, those lessons fell through her hands like sand was the phrase that she used. You know, just trying to grab hold of sand falling through your fingers is, a, is something we can all understand. And I think that's what happens often with these podcasts. You know, part of the reason we wanted to write our new book was that we know people hear these podcasts, they think, I'm going to react to that, I'm going to live differently, but then over time they forget and they move on and life evolves. So the book was about having a daily reminder in your house of the lessons of this podcast, and that's really what these wrap-up episodes are about. It's just reminding you of those little moments you've heard that perhaps you've forgotten already. We're going to remind you about them, and we're going to talk about ways you can implement them in your daily life. So let's get straight into it then. Let's start where we all do when it comes to change, something that everyone listening to this podcast, I hope, had as a child, but crucially still has today, and that is the dream. Here is one of the greatest rugby players of all time, Dan Carter, on the power of dreams. I stumbled across my personal purpose, and it was, looking back now, I'm just so grateful that I had that vision, that purpose, and that came about when I walked off the field in 2003 after playing my first test for the All Blacks. So if I rewind back to 
uh, a five-year-old Dan Carter. It was the inaugural Rugby World Cup. Um, I was five years old. It was here in New Zealand, co-hosted with Australia. And one of the first games, the All Blacks played Italy. And from one of the kickoffs, John Kerwin got the ball. He beat 11 players to score this incredible try. <laughs> It was one of the most amazing tries. And as a little five-year-old kid, I'm like, man, he's my hero. So I went straight outside and I was pretending to score tries like John Kerwin. Now, the All Blacks went on to, to win that World Cup. And as a five-year-old, I, I don't remember a lot from when I was five years old, to be honest. But I remember that moment of going, I want to be an All Black. This is my dream. Wow. What a clip. What a guy. Um, and I think that one of the saddest things, Damien, is when we get to a point in our life where we stop dreaming. And I think this is an important message for people. There's that great old phrase, isn't there? When is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Right now. So whatever stage people are at in their lives, I don't want them to think, oh, I've reached, I've gone beyond the dream stage. I think this is there for anyone at any time. And as soon as we lose that, I think we lose so much more than just dreams. Definitely. I think one of our other guests on this series, we'll talk about him later, was Will Ahmed that said that when you have a dream, you almost make a deal to be dissatisfied with your current state until you get where you want to be. And I think a dream just gives us that chance of, you know, letting our mind wander with a focus of where do we want to be, what do we want to have and, who, and who's the person that we want to become. Answering, asking questions like that of ourselves starts to elicit some really quite powerful deals that we're making with ourselves of where we want to get to and i think what's important to point out for you all here is that the dream is not enough it's the way that you put that dream together because one thing we've learned on the high performance podcast and one of our regular conversations is to be focused on the process not focused on the outcome and almost everyone we speak to on this podcast they've told us that when they get to that big moment or what they considered when they were younger to be the big moment the moment of happiness that that is when suddenly everything's going to make sense and it's all going to be fine. That is not the way the world works. If you're the kind of person that is listening to this podcast, if you're the kind of person that is into a growth mindset, if you're the kind of person that wants to grow and evolve and develop and progress in life, when you reach a certain point, that doesn't stop. So it's not just about having a dream. It's the way that you have a dream. And we spoke with Susie Ma a few seasons ago on the pod and she described to us infinite purpose. And the point of infinite purpose is that the goal, the ambition, the dream, it has no end. So for example, the infinite purpose of this podcast is every single day to reach more people and get them closer to a high performance life. That has no full stop. It doesn't, it, it will never end. We can do this for a thousand years and we will still be trying to reach more people and get them closer to a high performance life. So I don't want you listening to this to think, yeah, okay, my dream is to achieve X or to get to this place. Because then you fall in the trap of saying to yourself, I'm not happy, life's a bit of a struggle, things are a bit difficult. But when I get to my dream place, that's when I'll be happy. And I honestly believe that so many of us are walking around delaying happiness for the moment that we achieve something. But we can't do that. You've got to find the happiness in the process because it won't be as great when you get to that point. And there will never be a moment where there's no issues and no worries and no concerns. So happiness has to be now. You need to find the happiness while chasing the dream. This is about process, Damien, not outcome. Definitely. And I think that's where the next stage comes from in terms of the leap stage, that once you've got that dream, the process then is about doing something different, taking the leap to start adopting just different habits, different behaviours, different decision-making that starts to move you closer to where you want to get to. So a really good example of that, Jake, was when 
we had the real fortune of interviewing Angela Ruggiero, who became one of the greatest uh, ice hockey players uh, in the sport's history. But she told us how she'd grown up in California and had this dream of wanting to play ice hockey, but her first experience of it was a pretty brutal, sobering reminder of where she was starting from. My father said, look, you can quit or sulk, or you can work that much harder and not just be the third or fourth best. Like you have to be the best and the best by a long shot for you to make the team next year. And that's your choice, Angela. Like you don't have to play hockey. And I said, no, I want to, I want to, you know, I'm going to come back bigger, stronger, faster. Again, he gave me a choice. I think was the biggest thing. And it's always the road less traveled, you know, what, but everything in life to me is a decision. And so when I do get cut or fail, I just anticipate you know, what am I going to take from this experience, whether I win, whether I lose, whether I get cut or, you know, make the team. But my father, I think, laid that groundwork as a, as a young person to recognize everything in life as a choice. I think the powerful thing there, Jake, what Angela is saying is that nobody gets to be a high performer by accident. Nobody sleepwalks their way to high performance over a sustained period. At some stage, we all have to make a choice, a decision, a leap that we want to go after it and we're prepared to meet the uh, the bill that's being demanded from us. And I think it's important for people that are thinking, yeah, I get what you're talking about, the leap, it's great, there might be something amazing on the other side, but I'm scared about that. And I think what we need to explain to people listening to this is that fear is the prerequisite to bravery. You cannot be brave without feeling fear because getting past the fear is the bravery and beyond the fear is the joy and the fulfillment and the success and the journey. And I think it's very hard because we're all brought up to believe that setbacks, well, the very phrase setbacks, right, is the wrong phrase. We're, be- we're brought up to believe that setbacks set you back. I'd love to reframe them as set forwards because I think at the time it can be difficult, but actually it's that set forward that makes you realise, okay, that went wrong, that was difficult, that was a challenge, but there's two things. A, I've learned from it. But B, I've shown myself that I can keep going. I can still delve into that pot. I can still find that bravery because, you know, everyone has fears. Everyone has worries. And we look at successful people and think, well, they can't be worried at all because they went for it. But I think we need to realize that the place where fear exists is also where you keep your courage. And once you delve in there and you, you find the fear, keep going and you'll find the courage. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I think that, that phrase you said there about about seeing it as set forward is really powerful. I remember hearing Kerry Evans, who's a psychiatrist that, who, uh, that worked with the New Zealand rugby team. He encouraged the New Zealand players not to give feedback on each other, but to feed forward. So if you see somebody's behaviour, don't talk about what they did in the past. Go and make suggestions on what they can do differently into the future. And I think you're right. I think once we start to reframe those challenges from that, it means that fear becomes something not that cripples us, but it inspires us to want to go and do something different that moves us towards making our dream a reality. There you go, people. We no longer use the word setback on this podcast, right? Set forward. We set forward. <laughs> we set forward. I want to play another clip, actually, when it comes to Leap. And this is from the businessman, Steve Morgan. I mean, what a guy. He's self-made. He's made billions. He's given hundreds of millions of pounds away to charity. He is the epitome of a man who lives a purpose-driven life. But that doesn't mean to say that it's all been success. And I sometimes 
hear people say, oh yeah, I've heard you do this podcast, but I don't really want to listen to a podcast that's just people talking about their successes. Now that's when I know they don't listen. Because it's only when you actually listen to high performance, you realize that every single high performance empire was built on high failure and struggle and setback and challenge. And Steve Morgan shared this really moving story with us about how one of the most tragic and difficult periods in his life actually directly led to the success that he's endured for so many years. Here's Steve Morgan. Can we talk about your, your brother? who passed away in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. How much did that reframe your perspective on life? It completely changed my life. You know, I'm not a religious person, but my look totally changed when, when Jimmy died. We were really short of work. And as I say, I'm, I'm not a person that can sit still uh, at all. I've, I've, I've always got to be doing something. Pam and I decided to emigrate to California. She had a job lined up. We were all set to go. And then tragically, my brother got killed in a motorbike accident he was only 17 uh he went to pick up his his pal from work and um a car pulled out in front of him and and and, and that was that my mom was just going through a divorce with my, my dad at the time was just beside herself almost suicidal really she, she was completely beside herself and um we said you know we can't do this we we're gonna have to stay and uh, again, it was one of those lucky breaks for me because I, to me, it was like Jimmy pulling the strings from heaven because my look completely changed almost on the spot. So from tragedy, something really good happened. I remember the emotion in the room, actually, Damien, when we were talking with Steve about that. And I would just say to people listening to this very quickly, like there are really well-known people on this podcast, you know, Dan Carter, Mark Webber, Mark Cavendish, Michael Bisping. Go and listen to some of the names of the people that you know slightly less about, because those are the stories that are going to impact you even further. And Steve Morgan's episode is one of the great conversations we've had on this podcast. And it comes right back, Damien, to one of the cores of the high performance conversation that we have, which is fault versus responsibility. You know, Steve Morgan realized very quickly that, of course, it was never his fault that his brother had died in that accident. But it's still his responsibility to gather himself and to go again. And there are so many examples and incidents of things that are not our fault, derailing people, ending the dream, stopping the ambition, putting out the fire. We need to realize that even though those things have happened, it's about our responsibility to deal with them. It's not about apportioning blame and apportioning fault and allowing those things to derail us. Yeah. And I think that anybody listening to this that, that thinks, well, yeah, I know that. Well, we should do this. This stuff has been around for a long time, over a, nearly a hundred years ago. The the famous psychologist Albert Bandura was looking at people that were working on the roads in Canada and building the highways, and looking at those that had high self-efficacy was the phrase he used. Those that took responsibility versus those that had low self-efficacy that were quick to find blame and apportion responsibility elsewhere. And what he was seeing is the ones that. Had the high levels of self-efficacy and took responsibility tended to be successful. That led to a whole field of positive psychology that we're fortunate enough today to sit here and listen to people that are demonstrating the same principles that have been around for over a hundred years now. Is there also an argument here, Damien, that often it can be something that it almost feels to me like Steve Morgan attributed a lot of that success after his brother's death to his brother he kept saying didn't he in our interview a few times oh, it was almost like he was looking down at us it was almost like he was pulling the strings it was almost like he was in control 
And I think that what his brother's death did is it gave Steve some purpose. It meant he was pushing on in honour of his brother. He was staying in the UK in honour of his brother. And actually, that sense that there was bigger things at play would have changed the way Steve operated. It would have made him more driven. It would have made him more ambitious. He wouldn't have taken no for an answer as easily. So therefore, that's what actually transformed his business. And it's almost a reminder that, of course, you know, we don't want to go through what Steve went through, but finding that purpose, finding that drive, finding that edge, as a lot of our guests call it, the edge is what makes the difference. And sadly, it was the death of his brother that gave Steve the edge. But it also gave Steve that success that he's built his entire business on. Yeah, and again, this is open to all of us, whether you consider your edge to be a brilliant mum or dad or whether it's a brilliant teacher or whether it's just making a difference in your community or making an edge in business. Whatever your edge is, and that is a great way of describing it, that then gives you a clue as to where your sense of purpose is and where you should be spending your time because that's where your strengths are and that's what puts you in a state of flow. That enables you to deal with the challenges in the next stage that we talk about here, which is what is referred to in um, Joseph Campbell's research as the fight stage. But Ben A. Brown often talks about the messy middle stage. It's also often referred to as Cantor's law, where everything looks like a failure in the middle. This is a stage that everybody is going to experience. There's an awful lot of ways of referencing it. But again, what's been fascinating in this series is the amount of our guests that wouldn't tell us about that this is a place where some of their greatest lessons were handed out to them. Okay, well, I'll tell you what then. Let's hear from a few different people. We're going to bring you some clips here. First of all, you're going to hear from Mark Webber, the Formula One driver, about the challenges he faced at Red Bull. And then another Mark. This is Mark Cavendish, who went through a really difficult mental health period. And he talks to us about how that depression impacted him. So here's Mark Webber, followed by Mark Cavendish. Do you remember when you first became aware of that side of Formula 1? I guess it probably was at Red Bull that the political element of being a Formula 1 driver came to the fore? Yeah, I think at middle of the field there is there is some politics, um, but when you're at the front going for Grand Prix victories and World Championships, it does become a little bit more um, prevalent in terms of the what's at stake in terms of, you know, some of the politics around that. Um, and they could be good for you as well, like equipment and engines and, you know, rules and, you know, so it, you know, Red Bull or any team, you know, we've got two teams. So you could say, well, that's political because they've got two teams on the field and they've got more votes. And, you know, so it's like I'm, I would benefit from that. Um, and when it comes to, you know, some of your press positions or your statements it's like mate don't go down that alley because we're doing something else further down the road which would be assistance to everything else so you you got to navigate your way through all of those things whether it's stuff that gets in the public or stuff that and were you equipped for that yeah. were you, for, um, the, for that side of the job well you got to learn fast mate i said something's wrong with me <laughs> like something's wrong got some physical and uh yeah mental tests in that and uh i got diagnosed with clinical depression how did you process that when they gave you that diagnosis? It was quite nice to have an answer. I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't, you don't feel any, any way. It's not like, like, I think the word depression, people then think you're just going to be sad. You're not even sad. You just don't feel anything, do you know? Yeah. And you can be sad and things, but it's not a sadness. It's like something will get to you. It, it gets to you quite irrationally. Like it doesn't make sense why, why something's annoyed you or why, you're irritable about it. So what sort of things in that period would you react strangely to? Oh, 
that, okay, I know like houses are noisy and kids going up, but like sometimes I'd hear every individual sound that was going on with the kids. And then even, even my wife, Peter, like her walking would be like, I'd, I just want to go out of the house. That's her walking in the house. And she's my best friend, you know, and we never argue. We never do. Yeah, you either have no, no feeling or just the most erratic feelings that don't make sense. So I think the biggest thing for people here, Damien, is that we all walk around with this, like we're proud of this bulletproof belief we've got that I'm going to be okay and nothing's going to derail me. And you see it all the time, particularly among young men, this sort of macho belief that I can get through anything. That is not a positive that is not helpful because actually if you believe everything's going to be fine and then you either have the kind of challenges that Mark Webber faced at Red Bull or you have physical or emotional challenges that Mark Cavendish faced suddenly that belief that you're rock solid and you're good and you're going to go through life with no challenges and then you have those challenges you're not equipped to deal with them because you didn't expect them aren't we far isn't it a far better approach to life to to expect the problems, to expect the difficulties, because then when they come, they don't derail us. When they come, we feel we're equipped to deal with them. And when we come, we knew they were on their way, so we're going to come out the other side and go again, knowing that there may well be more challenges in the future. 100%, Jake. I think when we sort of walk around believing that we're invincible or whether we're um, completely immune to life's challenges, that's what Chris Hoy told us was the Father Christmas Syndrome. And the moment that life does put you on your backside and you do come up against it, you can't conceive of it and therefore you find it more difficult than ever that, that these things have happened. So I think when we sort of get into this mindset of, it's like the old Mike Tyson quote, that everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. We all need to plan that life will occasionally come and punch us in the face and put us on the seat of our pants. So having a plan for how we're going to handle those moments leaves us far better equipped to be able to deal with them effectively and to keep ourselves on track to high performance when they do inevitably occur. And I know what some of you are thinking. I don't want to have a plan for when it goes wrong because that's negative. But it's not about, it's not about thinking negatively bad things are going to happen. It's actually thinking positively, right? Life's going to be great. I'm going to achieve what I want. I'm going to get to a place where I feel fulfilled. However, on the way, I know there's going to be challenges and difficulties and setbacks. What we're not saying to you is focus on the negativity, focus on the setback, focus on the challenges. All we're saying is focus on the success. Know you're going to be okay, but just know that it's not a linear line. If you were to draw success on a piece of paper, it wouldn't just be a graph that goes whoop and straight up. It basically looks like a, a child's scribbled drawing because that is the route to success. It goes all over the place. Sometimes it's high, sometimes you're low. Sometimes you're behind your peers. Sometimes you're ahead of them, but you're on your own journey and there are going to be difficulties. So don't focus on the fact it's all going to be bad. Focus on the fact it's going to be good with some bad moments that you need to push through to get to the good. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that's very much the theme of our conversation that we had with uh, the MMA world champion, Michael Bispin who described the humiliating experience of being knocked out in a world title fight, but knowing that he needed to carry on fighting in order to provide the life for his family that he dreamt of himself. It was the biggest pay-per-view of all time at that time, and I got knocked out in the most 
horrendous fashion. Uh, the guy hit me with an overhand right. I went down. I was already unconscious. And the guy leapt through the air. And there's, there's images of it. If you Google UFC 100 and my name, he's like airborne and he lands with his forearm on me. And everyone said, he's done. He's done. He will never, ever come back from a knockout like that. And history has shown us time and time again, when a fighter gets knocked out like that, they can't come back. And I remember actually that my next fight was at the MEN. And uh, I, I wasn't the main event because I'd just been knocked out. I was a little further down the card. And all the journalists, they were always kind of trying to bother me for, for my time and things like that. And I remember I was in the locker room, just getting wrapped up. And this journalist that used to always speak to me walked in. And I turned around. I thought he was going to chat to me. And he just went right past me. Didn't even give me the time of day. And that really pissed me off. But that anger, that, that, that feeling disrespected, that drove me, you know, because I wanted to prove everybody wrong. Brilliant. I failed. He says it himself. I failed. And there was always areas to improve. And that is a man who became a UFC world champion, the first Briton to ever get there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So we've spoken about dreaming and the importance of that. And then we've leapt and we've heard from Angela Ruggiero and Steve Morgan. And then we fought with Mark Webber, Mark Cavendish and Michael Bisping. I think it's time to climb. I think it's time to remind ourselves that this is what it's all about. It's about doing the everyday world-class basics that we talk about on high performance and I like to talk about these things as a bit like packing your parachute there's loads of things that you need to go through loads of steps when you pack a parachute to get it right it's exactly the same mentally you've got to pack things into your brain you've got to do things in your daily life you've got to work hard to implement everyday world-class basics that are going to protect you when you need it and that are going to uplift you 
when the moment comes. Let's hear from Mel Robbins, the brilliant motivational speaker from the United States. She discussed the importance of a high five in the mirror first thing in the morning. It was the second morning, you guys, that it really hit me. So let me tell you what happened on the second morning because this is crazy. So I wake up, same problems, same overwhelm, same anxiety, same beat down. I five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. I make the bed. I start walking toward the bathroom and that's the moment I felt something I have never felt before. You know when you are about to meet a friend and you're about to walk into a pub or a cafe and you're going to have a beer or you're going to have like a coffee with somebody you really like, what do you feel in that moment when you're about to walk into the pub? Excitement. Yeah. Did you have that feeling? I did. I actually felt excited to see the human being, Mel Robbins. So what Mel was saying there, Jake, is that that one simple exercise of giving yourself a high five in the mirror has been proven that it can improve your happiness by over 37%. And yet you don't have to take a pill or it doesn't cost you a penny to give yourself a fighting chance of doing it, to create some momentum in your own life. And it's a great example of the climb stage. This is about the process, the small steps we can take that keep us moving forward. And I know there'll be people listening to this that think high five in the mirror. First thing in the morning, but the science says it works. And I think the key thing for this podcast is all we're asking you to do is have an open mind. You definitely don't have to agree with everything you hear. You certainly don't have to do all the things that the people recommend you do or replicate the lives that they've lived. All we're saying is have an open mind, see if it works for you, give it a go. And as Damien says, the science actually proves that giving yourself a high five in the mirror will make you happier. And you know what? All of this constant talk about high performance and these great achievers and these amazing lives, is there actually a point to any of it unless it makes us happy? I don't think there is. And I think that certainly from my perspective, Damien, I started this podcast thinking life was all about the scrap and the battle and I wanted people to hear how hard it is. Now all I want people to hear is that these are simple, everyday, world-class basics that you can employ in your life that will get you closer to happiness and fulfillment? Because actually that's kind of all that matters, isn't it? Definitely. And I think the next clip that we'll hear is somebody that understood that, that, that was literally engaged in that daily fight and that daily struggle when he was the press secretary for Britain's Prime Minister, Tony Blair. And he spoke to us really quite movingly about the impact that that had had on his mental health and how these world-class basics could be described in his metaphor of being a jam jar and making sure that everything in that jam jar was in place that would lead to his ultimate happiness and and satisfaction. Let's have a listen to Alistair Campbell. And then a bigger thing, which I got actually writing the book and making the film about depression, was was my jam jar, which is this woman who told me that, look at your life as a jam jar. So down the bottom of the jam jar is the sediment, that's your genes. And then the rest of your jam jar is your life. And it's most of the time you can manage it. It's good and bad and it's mixed stuff you remember, stuff you don't. But when the jam jar gets full, it means you can't cope. The lid explodes and your life explodes and you're ill. Okay. And she said, what you need to do is rather than think about undoing everything inside the jam jar is grow the jam jar, right? Add the layers that allow you more space to put more of your life. So I didn't honestly didn't know what she was talking about, but then I ruminated a few days later 
I got up in the middle of the night, I woke in the middle of the night about four o'clock. I went downstairs, it's on my wall at home now. I drew my own jam jar, sediment, life. And then I've got, and this is personal to me, right? This is the first one's FFF, Fiona, family, friends, right? If my key relationships are strong, if my kids are reasonably happy, if Fiona and I are getting on, if I've got a small number of close friends that I totally trust, that's not a bad start. Meaningful activity, which means work, but it also means change in the world. Yep. Then sleep, diet, exercise, which I never used to take seriously, and now I do. Then it means the things, then it's the things that are really personal to me. So Burnley Football Club, bagpipes, scenery, Elvis, Jack Brell, Abba, <laughs> my bike, my dog. Yeah. Right, these are the things that matter to me. Then it's the thematic stuff like curiosity. Never go to bed without knowing something you didn't know when you went got up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, creativity, for me, is important. I have to write something every single day. And the thing is, I'm up here already with my jam jar, and I haven't even mentioned medication. Life and the right approach to it can be your medication. We should probably say as a caveat here that if you are struggling, then please don't take our word for these things. It's very important to go and see your doctor and to speak to people, particularly medical professionals. But I actually think, Damien... That is probably the most important and powerful two or three minutes that we've ever recorded on the High Performance Podcast. Because I think we're all stuck in this belief that, particularly when it comes to mental health problems, that we're dealing with things that are out of our control. And as Alastair showed there, of course medication is important. Of course talking to people is important. But giving yourself the right tools and the right equipment and changing your approach to life literally can be your medication. He said it himself. He hadn't even thought about his medication, yet he had this whole building block of positive things to deal with. And I don't think that we have to be struggling with our mental health to realise that it's important to put those building blocks in place. I would love everyone listening to this to realise now that they can put building blocks in place for their life, even if they feel like they're in a brilliant place right now and everything's in flow and everything's fantastic because it will still get them further forwards. And then the great thing is when they do have the falter and the struggle and the issues that we've already spoken about, those tools and the equipment that they've already got will suddenly be their parachute. Yeah, which again echoes previous uh, guests that we've had on. Matthew McConaughey's Great Green Lights is a great example of what you've just described there, Jake, of look for when things are going well. That's often where we take it for granted. And yet they're the moments where we should be paying attention. So when we hit the red lights, we can go back to those moments where success has been occurring and work out what were we doing differently then? Like he, Matthew said, like Alistair said, it might be the people we're surrounding ourselves with. It might be that we're not taking care of our diet or our sleep or exercising enough. And it can often be quite simple steps we can take that get us back into that flow state and allow us to keep climbing on the journey to high performance. And I think the other thing to remember here is, is about communication. You know, I remember... Um, having a mental health episode when I was younger, Damien, and I went to see someone. And the best advice that this lady gave me was that my issue was with light, and we've spoken about it on the podcast before, haven't we? We discussed it with Mark Cavendish. Like, these, intrus these intrusive thoughts that I thought basically meant that I was mentally ill and you know, wasn't fit to be on the earth, she explained to me that these are actually incredibly common. But the problem is, young men especially suffer with intrusive thoughts they overthink them and then they end up doing really tragic things. And her brilliant advice to me was 
just allow them to be there. Just allow these issues to float around, but don't give them any credence. Don't, what, what, they're not real. It's your brain kind of playing a trick. And it was that moment of release and the moment of freedom that was absolutely the, the path that I took to the place I am today where I feel fantastic from a mental health perspective. And I think that's a good message for people is sometimes just having that release and accepting that certainly from a mental health perspective, like it's, it is a journey and there is going to be highs and lows for absolutely everyone. And in this world where we're constantly looking at perfect lives on Instagram, and comparing ourselves to other people everyone is going through these kinds of struggles and these turmoil yeah and i think the fact that you're sharing what clinical psychologists refer to as ants automatic negative thoughts means that we normalize it for other people just like you're doing like alistair's done like mark cavendish did when he was speaking about it and i think the more we can get comfortable that this is our brain the way that it's operating as it's intended to do but one of the other phrases we regularly use, Jake, is don't believe everything you think. You know, just because these automatic negative thoughts are there doesn't mean that we have to give them the attention that they're demanding from us. We can change the narrative by changing our own stories. And, and stories is a key one. I think many people write negative stories about the future, then choose to believe them, and then worry about the negativity. I've seen it all the time. And one of the, the phrases I use when I speak to people about this, I just say to them, look, it's your brain playing a trick. Just choose not to believe the trick. And even better than that, write a positive story and choose to believe the positive story. But the recurring theme there is when people talk to me, I, for anyone listening to this, if you've put off speaking to someone about your issues and your concerns, I would just recommend talking. And for... For those of you who feel in a brilliant place, just keep asking your friends how they are. And I think one of the best ways to do it is say, hey, how are you doing? And when they say, yeah, I'm great, thanks. That is an automatic response. That is not the actual answer. Just follow it up. And Damien's given this advice before. Follow up with, yeah, but how are you really? And that's when you get the truth, Damo. Yeah, it's the, it's the famous second question. It's the follow it, always follow it up with a second question that gets to the heart of that immediate rebuttal and uh, moves us forward into getting into really understanding each other and empathizing great helpful stuff i hope for you and then the moment of arrival comes now let's just caveat this with the fact that we believe on high performance that there is no real arrival however there are these moments these big moments in your life that i think it's really important that you celebrate them that you realize that they are a key moment so what should we go with and why at this point demo yeah, I think a great example um, of the arrival stage is one of the most powerful interviews we've done on the podcast, Jake, which was John McAvoy, who went from being one of Britain's most wanted men, uh, living a life as a high-performing criminal, to then becoming uh, one of the world's best Ironman triathletes. He spoke to us really powerfully about his journey from being a prisoner to becoming an elite international athlete. I was in a concrete coffin and I remember like when I was doing the cell circuits and, and the training on the RAM machine, it was these small incremental steps. It isn't, you don't jump from A to B, it's tiny, so small that sometimes you don't even notice you're getting better, but it's just that constant pursuit of making sure you put yourself in the position when it's ready to take the opportunity when it presents itself. And, and having resilience, like it isn't easy, mate. Like it is hard, we all know it's hard, it's not easy. Like no one gives you anything in life for nothing. Like when I got out of prison, I, I was sleeping in my mum's spare room. I had no money. I was training people in the local park for 35 quid. But I had this absolute belief that I would become successful being an athlete. 
And you're talking about a man that was like, again, locked in that cage, got released from prison. I had nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't even afford rent when I got released from prison. Um, and I remember when I got out, like, if you would have said to me now, when my friend died, 2009, I knew from that night in November, the 14th, I would never commit a crime in my life again. That was me done. I was out, right? They weren't, they're not just going to let me walk out of prison, but I knew myself, I was finished. I'm, I'm out of that world. And these are the conversations I love on the podcast, Damien, because I think they're really life-affirming for us to hear that. Like, this guy went from being Britain's Most Wanted Man. If you've not heard the episode, people, please go and find it. He was in the high dependency unit at Belmarsh. There's an amazing moment in his book, Redemption, where he talks about... He was almost like Hannibal Lecter, wasn't he? He had his hands and his legs cuffed together, and he was taken through a tunnel to get to the courthouse because he was such an escape risk. There was helicopters and armed police hovering above. He went from that to now being, as Damien said beforehand, a world-class triathlete going into schools and inspiring the next generation. I think the biggest thing to explain to all of you listening to this is that you are not a fixed being. Where you are today is not where you will be in five years. Where you want to be is somewhere that you can get to. And just have that mindset of growth all the time. Even to the point of your ambitions and your plans and your desires, let those be flexible and fluid as well because you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's coming your way tomorrow. You don't know what opportunities are there. So if you have this rigid, focused mindset with this control of that's where I'm going, I honestly think that you miss the opportunities along the way. Have the open mindset. Have somewhere you want to go, but be flexible about how you get there. And John's the textbook example of that. I think his whole story is a great example of the five stages. So from being a young boy that was being bred into believing that anyone that went and did a conventional job was a mug, to then going and making that leap into the world of criminality, the struggle of coping with the prison system, and then climbing out of it after the death of his friend and starting to feel the benefits of exercise on him until his arrival of being somebody that's a textbook example of a rehabilitated prisoner that's trying to steer others away from it. I think the message of it is a great example of what you've just said, Jake, about knowing where you want to get to, but just being flexible about the pathways that are going to take us there. And we're going to finish this episode by hearing from someone who, again, started with very little and has now built a business worth billions. This is the founder of Whoop, Will Ahmed. The thing that I've taken most... Um from, from the, the world's best athletes personally is, is just the general mindset that they have towards greatness. They, they do a, f- a phenomenal job um, staying present uh, in the sense that they are hyper-focused in the moment on being great. And they don't spend a lot of time really reflecting um, from a nostalgist standpoint. And in a way, it seems they're almost driven to a fault. And the ones who tend to be happiest in being driven to a fault also have some form of gratitude that they bring into their life. So they're simultaneously hungry and they're on that you know, dopamine train of, I need to win the next thing, while also being grateful for their success. You know what, Damon, I think that's a brilliant place to end this conversation about the five stages of change as we reflect on the season of high performance that we've just delivered for people. And it's only really when I sit and and talk about it with you like this that even I'm picking up on lessons that I've missed and things that I hadn't noticed along the way. Yeah, I think we're both incredibly privileged, Jake, that we get to sit down with these incredible people that are sharing so generously. These five stages of change, even though maybe they don't refer to it in that way, they give us all a route map, a guide about how we can go on our own journey to achieve 
high performance in our lives. So it's been a real privilege to sit down and reflect on it. And we love meeting the people that listen to High Performance. And I want to introduce you now to someone who is actually the perfect guest at this point, because this is a young lady who obviously had dreams and ambitions, but she had to fight because she had um, some really sad news that her mum was terminally ill with cancer at a young age. Um, yet through that, she has continued to climb and she's now going to talk to us about her journey and her story. So it's a pleasure to welcome Georgia to the High Performance Podcast. Hi, Georgia. Hi. Well, look, first of all, I'm really sorry for your loss, um, but I'm also really grateful that you got in touch because we have many people listening to High Performance who are, have either been through or are currently going through tough times. And it's a good reminder, I think, that you can find inspiration and positivity in all kinds of different places. Um, what was it that first attracted you to listening to the podcast? Um, I think it was, I found the podcast early on in the first lockdown um and it kept me company on my daily walks and I think from the first one it was the messages um and the takeaways that that sort of gave me a focus on my walk that I would then like mull over the rest of my walk and then sort of try to implement that into my daily life and was there any particular episode or message that resonated deeply with you Georgia there was a few episodes that sort of stood out that I wasn't necessarily expecting. So both the Sean, so Sean Dyche and Sean Wayne, um, and then Tyrone Ming's probably one of the big ones from what he was saying about struggle um, and sort of perseverance. But I think the main sort of message for me was the fault and responsibility where something might not be your fault, but it's still your responsibility as to how you act. And why did that resonate so deeply do you think i think because throughout my mom's diagnosis and then her passing away that wasn't anyone's fault and there was no blame to be had on anyone which is sometimes quite hard because when you're feeling certain emotions you have no there's no one to blame for that but i sort of reframed that and thought okay well this is no one's fault but how can i do something to have sort of an impact on other people's lives and potentially help prevent what she went through and what we're going through happening to other people well done and you know we often use the phrase on this podcast don't we you would have heard it many times that you know what is hard for you is not always bad for you and i think that one of the challenges that we all face is whenever we're going through difficult times that are hard for us how can we find a good a good thing to come out of it and i think there's no doubt about it that setting up this charity in honor of your mum is exactly that. It's a good thing that's come out of a really bad and terrible and tragic period in your life. Can you just talk to our listeners for a second about how it really feels to find your purpose, a purpose-driven life? Because I think that that's really what your your mum's death has done for you. It's given you this sense of purpose. And as much as you would not want to be doing this, and you would much rather have your mum here, can you explain how it feels to, to really have that sense that you're making an impact when you live a purpose-driven life? Yeah, I think it gives you first and foremost a focus, which is quite good to channel everything through. And on those days where, for me, where I'm not getting many orders through or there's challenges that crop up, my constant reminder is, well, this is the reason I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for mum and I'm doing it to help other people. And I think if you find something that you're passionate about and there's a purpose behind it that's going to continually drive you through because you're not always going to have motivation and things are going to crop up that challenge you but if you've got that 
yeah fundamental purpose then that's that's what's going to see you through well look thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about you know your journey with high performance um and you know it's only been two years since you lost your mum so it will still feel really fresh and really raw so um all of us wish you all the very best at christmas which i'm sure is a difficult time and i hope that 2022 um is a year that is brilliant for you brilliant for the charity um and you you make a real difference to people that need it thank you and thank you for having me on Hey, it's a pleasure, Georgia. Listen, just quickly tell people where they can find out more about the charity. Uh, so we have a Facebook and Instagram, at Nedra Sweet Charity, um, N-E-D-R-A, and then Sweet Charity, no spaces. Wonderful. Well done. And uh, thanks once again for being on the podcast. Thank you. What a pleasure. And that's a really lovely way, actually, to round off this season of High Performance. Damien, I've enjoyed it. I've loved your company every single step of the way. Likewise. I really enjoy working with you, Jake, uh, as as I've said to you before, I think it's a real privilege to sit alongside you. So thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. And it's a real pleasure as well to share it with so many of you. Um, We know that you're the reason why our book, High Performance Lessons from the Best on Becoming Your Best, is at the top of the charts. We know that you're the reason why we've sold thousands of tickets for the 2022 High Performance Tour already. We know that you're the reason why great guests are keen to come on this podcast because they understand the reach and the impact. So please understand why Damien and I really thank you for coming on this journey with us on High Performance. It means a lot and it makes a massive difference. And I've said it many times, but we have big plans for the future. So keep on coming back for more people in 2022. Um, And actually, you can hear a very special collaboration episode of High Performance. More about that when it arrives. Huge thanks, as always, to Professor Damien Hughes. Follow him on Instagram, at Liquid Thinker. Big thanks to Finn Ryan and all the team at Rethink Audio for their continued hard work. Also, huge thanks to Will, to Hannah, to Eve, everyone on the team here at High Performance. But I really mean this when I say, most of all, thanks to you for supporting us. Please remember, there is no secret. It is all there for you. So be your own biggest cheerleader and make world-class basics your calling card. We'll see you for plenty more High Performance in 2022. Have a great Christmas and a happy new year. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 